0: what is up you guys welcome back so for today's episode i wanted to share an interview that i was a part of i was a guest on the barbells and blueprints podcast by sierra from sierra whiskey fitness and this is a podcast for home gym enthusiasts and strength seekers and it's just a great show for those who are really into fitness so go check out the barbells and blueprints podcast if you haven't already but in this interview I chat with Sierra kind of about kind of about my personal journey um, from unhealthy fitness obsession to a more balanced holistic approach, um, and kind of how I got to where I am today. Um, I even talk a little bit about my prenatal and postnatal um, journey and you know struggle with mental health and just kind of how I found this more balanced lifestyle that. That I feel like I'm really thriving in right now. So if you guys don't really know my story, you want to hear a little deeper about how I got to where I am today, go ahead and listen to this episode, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. I'm Miranda Lee, and you're listening to the Bread Therapy Mama podcast, a show created for moms who want to feed their families foods that heal them, not hurt them. Food was meant to be our medicine, and the best way to do that is by focusing on the ingredients, not the calories. Here, you'll find everything you need to know about holistic nutrition, sprinkled with some motherhood, faith, and non-toxic living along the way. I can't wait to grow with you. Let's dive in.
1: Good afternoon. Today, we have Miranda with us. Go ahead, Miranda. The floor is yours. I'd love to hear about you and your brand. Awesome. Hey, Sierra.
0: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. So My name is Miranda Lee. I am the host of the Bread Therapy Mama podcast and I have a blog called Bread Therapy Mama as well. So, man, I have just been a part of the fitness and nutrition world. I I can probably say my entire life. Unfortunately, the beginning of my fitness and nutrition journey was not the healthiest. I'd say it was a little more obsessive and probably driven by just being the smallest version of myself unfortunately I mean I, that goes all the way back to my first diet in the fifth grade being like an all-soup diet every day at recess I would try to run a mile around the track and that would be what my days looked like in sixth grade I started well the summer before sixth grade I started training for my first 5k which honestly I think was a really good thing I think that's really what got me into kind of the world of fitness what got me into running something I still do today I just think my my motivation behind everything was was not the healthiest it took tell until I was in college to realize that everything I, I was doing was not the healthiest that I did struggle with multiple eating disorders. And that's when I decided, you know, things had to change. And it took a while. It took me opening up and, you know, asking for help and just being okay with not being the smallest version of myself. And over time, I I really healed. And I was just really embracing, you know, moving as a celebration of what my body can do you know listing heavy not obsessing over cardio i'm finding that balance with my nutrition as well and everything was going great until the past until about i'd say a year ago when i had my first baby and then that's when i struggled with postpartum depression and really kind of had to get back into the swing of things because you know i was a competitive lifter i did I did so much during, during that pregnancy. I did a strongman competition. I did multiple races and I did an Olympic triathlon in my third trimester. And then after having, after having a baby, I, my pelvic floor was just, it was, it was bad. It was struggling. And, you know, I did everything I thought was necessary to prepare and for that not to happen. But my therapist was like, you can't lift for a while until this gets this gets fixed and for me in my head I'm like geez Louise like lifting is the only thing I have that feels normal right now so I did physical therapy for my pelvic floor I took things easy until I got it healed and actually got into making sourdough bread which is crazy because that's like kind of, you know, bread is really what society says, like, we'll make, we'll make you fat and is unhealthy. And, you know, all that diet culture stuff and actually slowing down and making sourdough from scratch just kind of pushed me into this new phase of my health journey of, you know, really focusing on the quality of ingredients and of in our food and focusing on nutrition rather than just like you know how many calories are in the food that we're eating no, like what is the quality of the food that we're eating and embracing slowing down for our health and wellness because just just because we are working out every single day and you know tracking our macros doesn't mean we're the healthiest version of ourselves that's not how they did it back in the day and they had a much better quality of life years and years ago. And now we're just so go, go, go and busy. But I really think it's affecting our health and wellness. So, yeah, that's how I got to where I am today. And that's kind of how Bread Therapy Mama was created.
1: We have a very similar story when it comes to, uh, you know, our middle school and high school lives. I I really resonate with that. Before I was joining the Air Force, I had to drop, I think they wanted like 20, 25 pounds. I had to get down to, I want to say it was like 135 and I was 145, 150 at the time. So every morning before school, I would go run two miles. And then afterwards, I would go to the gym for another two hours. I was only eating frozen meals. I was restricting myself to probably less than 1,200 calories a day. just for unhealthy weight loss and I look back at that I was like that was not healthy and similar to you that's how I got into Sierra Whiskey Fitness my coaching business and you know my whole model of be strong be confident move better perform better
0: yeah so I feel like so many women have such a similar story and a lot of people like don't even talk about it and it's because like it's 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 unfortunately really normal for us women to be told to be a smaller version of ourselves.
1: And that, that's not always the, the best thing mentally and physically. It took me working with a nutritionist to realize that me tracking macros was obsessive, for me at least, and was not beneficial. And I actually needed to eat closer to 3,000 calories a day. Because similar to you, I do a lot of strength training and my body needed that fuel.
0: Yeah, I mean, same here, tracking macros became obsessive as well. And I feel like like tracking macros can be a great tool, but it's not something we were meant to do every single day of our lives. It's it's good to use maybe to get an idea of where you're at, but it it wasn't something meant to how we we're supposed to live our lives day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. And like I don't know about you, but I was doing it for years, like It was my most open app on on my phone. And like we we don't need to do that to be healthier, be the strongest or healthiest versions of ourselves.
1: Oh, 100 percent. Like, you know, my great grandma and grandparents, they weren't walking around with pen and paper writing down every single thing that they had.
0: Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, we are told not to listen to our bodies when our bodies were designed perfectly to give us these hunger cues to have cravings that usually meant like hey we might be like deficient in a certain vitamin or mineral and we were our our bodies were made perfectly for that and growing up we were told to just ignore ignore our hunger cues ignore what our body was telling us it's like okay we need to eat every 2 to 3 hours and then you know, have five small meals. And other people will be like, no, we need to maybe start eating between like 12 and one because of intermittent fasting, like that's better for your body. And then you're not supposed to eat carbs, you're not supposed to eat fat, or it has to be strictly protein or whatever it may be. And we were just so taught not to listen to what our body is telling us. And we've been doing that for years. So I think when people like try to let's say ditch the diet mentality and listen to their body it starts out with overeating obviously because you've been under eating for so long but also like just not trusting your body and it's going to take long to know what your body is telling you and to trust what it wants because sometimes you might eat a meal and then be hungry 30 minutes later And like, what are you going to do Just not eat? That's what a lot of us do. We don't eat. Like, what if we did that with other things that come natural to our body? Like, what if we peed and then 30 minutes later, we have to pee again? And you're like, nope, sorry, I'm only allowed to pee every two to three hours. Like, your body's just like, what? No, like, that's not how it works. And that's how we treat our food. Like, we have a schedule and you, you know, you have to have 20 to 40 grams of protein in every meal, which I think... It's a great goal. I do think there is such an importance of protein in, in every meal. But it's like to just limit yourself with counting your macros and counting your calories and saying like, I can only eat in this time frame in every two to three hours. It's just that's not what our bodies were designed and created to do.
1: And honestly, I don't think it's realistic with how busy most people are today. I mean, so yeah, just, it's really not. I'm sure you being a new mom, having your child added into the mix, it just, it changes the dynamic. So now you really need to restructure how things are.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Like we are all, there's going to be so many different phases and stages of our lives that it's unfair to, you know, expect our bodies to be exactly the same or to go through the same things like for like let's say women specifically for us to eat the same amount of calories every day all 30 days of of the month that's not realistic itself because we have our menstrual cycle there's going to be days where we are going to need more calories and days where our body don't, doesn't need as many calories and then just the simple things of like, if you are working out one day and there's another day that maybe you're resting and staying inside and doing nothing, obviously you're going to need more calories on the day that you are working out, right? And instead of being like, oh no, I need to stick, like, oh, I can only eat, like, let's say there's 2,500 calories today and your body's like, I'm so hungry, like we just did such an intense workout. And then same goes to like maybe how things are like by the year. Like right now, like with being a mom and trying to juggle things after after I think like the first year, I went a couple weeks where I'd track my macro macros a couple days of the week just to get an idea. Because I was like, I think things had slowly shifted over time or I'm actually not sure if my protein intake is adequate, if I'm getting enough calories, because I was breastfeeding at the time. So like this was an important tool that can be helpful for me, but I'm not I'm not a servant to this tool, you know? So I was able to do and be like, ah, okay, like I can see my protein intake is a little low. Like let's say my fat intake is a little higher. So I know like, okay, these are some like little tweaks and changes that I can make. But then you know, that's it. I use the tool for what it was because life changes. We go through changes and phases. And, you know, all those years ago when I tracked 24 seven and I didn't need to track things slowly changed over time. My diet slowly changed over time. I'm like, hey, like, let's just double check and look at these things. But, you know, they're not the boss of me. I'm using them as tools for myself. And then I can put them aside until I think I might want to reassess later.
1: And honestly, I, you said perfectly, it's a great tool. And I think it's great for someone who's like preparing for a bodybuilding show or maybe someone who just wants more awareness of what they're eating. But for most people, they're not going to be measuring every single gram of food and then inputting it accurately into like my fitness pal, for example.
0: Yeah. And like those those competitions for like, let's say bodybuilding, or let's say even like running a marathon, like this isn't something that you're doing every day your entire life. Like this is a short period of time. And sometimes, yeah, it's, it's gonna suck. It's going to it's gonna take a lot of discipline and like willpower, but that's why it's like for a short period of time. Like marathons, horrible for your body. You weren't meant to run long distances your entire life. You know, bodybuilding competitions, horrible for your body. But, you know, if you're doing these, if you're doing it for a short period of time, like you have, you know, a professional, like a coach who's working with you, like the pros will outweigh the cons, right? Like you're really pushing yourself mentally. You're pushing yourself physically, obviously. And you're doing this where, you know, you're going to have to track your macros. Like you are going to be eating in a deficit. You're going to be working out more than you would. But it's for a short period of time and it's okay, but you just have to make sure to tell yourself like, hey, this isn't, this isn't a way of living forever. This is a challenge that I've put myself into. Same with, you know, running a marathon, like this is going to be a challenge. But how I live during this period of time isn't, like this isn't the ideal way of health. This is just a way that I'm pushing myself in this short period of time. And that's totally okay too, because I feel like sometimes the like anti-diet movement gets uh, like a little too extreme because I was an anti-diet health coach for a while. And there would be some things where I'm like, okay, like weight loss, in my opinion, weight loss should never be the goal. Like that should never be your main goal. But a lot of the times weight weight loss will be a, let's say, side effect of of whatever your main goal was like if your main goal is like you want to work out and be healthier, maybe eat healthier. You want to live longer for your children. You want to be more active, or maybe you do want to like do your first race, or you want to be more confident in your clothes, in your body. Weight loss might happen, but if your main goal in life is to lose weight, like that's not going to drive you forever. Like that's not going, that can't be your why is weight loss. You have to have a bigger why. So I think when it comes like, to fitness and nutrition, like when you're like, oh, I'm going to be working out because it makes me feel good. It makes me um feel like a stronger version of myself. It makes me feel like more powerful or I just feel better in my body. Like I feel like I have more energy, this and that. Weight loss might happen. It might not. For some people, maybe weight gain happens because you were living at such Low calories that like your body was not at its homeostasis and it was not comfortable and happy where it was. So that's why, like, just side tangent, we shouldn't be focusing on like weight, weight shouldn't be our why. But like with diet culture and like what, like their extremes, like sometimes you lose weight when you make healthier choices, right? Sometimes for other people, you gain weight when you make healthier choices. So that's why, like, weight loss and weight gain or whatever your weight is like that isn't an indicator of health but it can be one if if that makes sense like if you lose weight it could be something that happens because you're trying to get healthier but the other way as well you might be gaining weight while you're getting healthier cuz that's what your body needed and it all goes back to just trusting your body and living a little more intuitively and not being like a servant to the scale or you're counting calories or your macros or anything like that.
1: One of my first coaching clients I ever had who was, you know, did like the sit the Body Boot Camps and Weight Watchers and, you know, all those traditional programs. When she started working with me, she's like, well, why aren't you taking my weight in measurements? I was like, well, I, I typically just don't do that because I like to see how you feel. However, if you want to, we can definitely do that as a way to track your progress. And from there, it kind of just shifted her perspective. And she started going off of like how her pants were fitting and how her energy level. And it was just it was really cool to see that.
0: Yeah, because people like think that's the only way to track progress is like your weight. And like you can look at, let's say, my pre-pregnancy body and then Like my postpartum body, they are practically the same weight. But that means nothing because with my postpartum injuries and stuff, like I lost muscle mass. So if I were to just like be like, oh, like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, well, I weigh the same, like perfect. How do I feel? You know, like I, I've, my let's say, fit in the same pants. I don't feel like I have like the same, let's say, energy or the same strength. And that is what's driving me to push harder at the gym. That's what's driving me, just to be a better version of myself. But also, you know, not overwork myself, do my yoga, do my meditation and that stuff. But if I were to just be like, oh, it's all about the weight and what the scale says. There's been times where I've been heavier and and fitter. You know, there's times I've been lighter and fitter. Like our weight was meant to fluctuate. Our weight was never meant to stay the same. And it's not, it's not the true indicator of health.
1: Personal example for me is, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. I have one pair of jeans that I bought five years ago in 2018. I now wear that pair of jeans very consistently five five years and change later. However, I'm now 50 pounds heavier on a scale than I was 5 years ago. The jeans fit the same. There's no difference in how it fit then compared to now, but I have more muscle mass in my body because I shifted from CrossFit to more powerlifting style training.
0: yeah, see, like it's just it's, it's just a- not an accurate representation. And you know what, even if your jeans didn't fit if you felt stronger and healthier and that you had more muscle mass, like how, like how those deans fit isn't an indicator of your health either, you know? And like when I what was doing health coaching instead of blogging, I had clients as well. And, you know, one of the first things I would tell them is, you know, go through your closet and if things don't fit you, get rid of them. We have like this mentality of like, oh, these are my goal pants. Like, I want to fit into these one day or whatever. And it's like, clothes were meant to fit you. You weren't meant to fit clothes. So if they don't fit you, they're not doing their purpose. They might be useful for someone else. Like, donate them, you know, give them away, give them a family member, give them to a friend, give them to Goodwill or whatever thrift store. If they aren't doing their purpose, which is fitting you, they have no no room, like just sitting, <laughs> sitting in your closet, sitting in in your dresser or anything. Because that's another thing, like we get obsessed with, like okay, it's not about the scale, but I want to wear the same pants that I wore in high school. And it's like that just it really messes with our mental health, and that's not that's not what it was meant for. I mean, you think about let's say going back to the eighteen hundreds, if something didn't fit anymore. They repurposed it in a way for it to fit them, right? Or they handed it down to someone like maybe their kid who it fit them. So I don't know. I just feel like we we don't need to be holding on to all these things and using like pant size or the scale and these things as as, as representations of our
1: health because that's not it's not always the case. One thing that drives me nuts is clothes shopping <laughs> because it it's very it can be mentally draining if you struggle with body dysmorphia cuz you may be one size in one brand and then you're going to be a whole different size in a different brand and that number is it can really mess with you if you let it
0: Oh yeah that's like it's the worst I I took a picture once when I was shopping and there was a, these pants that were an extra large and they didn't fit and then they were like just too tight and then the next thing I tried on was an extra small and it fit perfect and I'm just like this it literally makes no sense it it makes no sense and then like just how people like label things also kind of irks me like oh the the skinny pants or I don't know just like oh make your just make yourself look ten pounds lighter, and just the labeling of these things, and I'm just like, that's not the purpose of clothes, but <laughs> but okay, and that can really get to you too, you know when you're over here shopping, whether it's clothes shopping or even grocery shopping, that's like one of the biggest things is we're taught that lower calories means it's more healthy when most of the time that now today's world that's not that's not the case a lot of the times if it's lower calories and it's like a processed food there's a lot of things that are in there that our bodies don't even recognize as food and that's why it's zero calories our body like literally recognizes it as like a toxin or something so when we're eating things with like a bunch of like artificial sweeteners and stuff and we're like oh it's healthy for us because like it's zero calories or there's no sugar it's sugar-free like it must be better for us like that's that's not the case so I think there's just so many things like whether it's at the clothes store the grocery store the like social media all these things that we're taught that these things are better for us so this is how we should be living when we kind of need to get back to our roots which is like one of my biggest mottos in bread therapy mama it's like I rather you guys eat like real food than all this processed food like we're taught to think that oh like if we're gonna get yogurt let's get fat free when it's like no get the full fat yogurt like that is how it comes like from the animals like with this full fat and the way they make it fat free is by processing it so much to get the fat out and then like nature and god made these foods this way for a reason. Where like this is how they were supposed to be. Like an egg was supposed to have the white and the yolk, and it that's how the nutrients work best in our body, right? Like same with like a full fat yogurt. Like they they were meant to be together, and we just like rip everything apart, try to make it as low calories as possible. And I'm like, you guys need to stop looking at the calories. Look at the ingredient list. If it's if it's super long, usually a, a red flag. If you can't pronounce things. Also usually a red
1: flag. So this is uh, a funny example. Last night I went to the grocery store and I took a picture of the, the, the coffee creamer section that had cookies and some other stuff with the orange juice. And on my Instagram store I said, spot what's wrong with it with a pumpkin emoji and a Christmas tree emoji. And my my joke was that they're mixing pumpkin spice with gingerbread but some of the things i got a couple people had said that oh i can tell you what's wrong there you can't read any of the ingredients on there they're all processed and not natural organic and so forth i was like oh wow i was not going that direction but you're right
0: yeah yeah there's so many unnecessary things that they put in our foods and like i think that's what like i'm super passionate about is It's like just ingredients and foods. And like I have a whole podcast episode about artificial food dyes because I think that's one of the things that we we should really be cutting out. Like I'll tell people all the time, like you never should like cut things out of your diet, right? Like you should never be carb free or like fat free or, or anything like that. Like don't cut things out of your diet. But when it comes to artificial food dyes, there is absolutely no benefit to it. The only b- benefit is to make it, make it pop, make it brighter, make it more colorful, and it's honestly the only thing. It's a thing that like only Americans do. Artificial food dyes have like been banned in other countries because they are like known carcinogens, and they are they like I mean they're they're linked to things like ADHD. I know so many people that you take artificial food dyes out, like you take out red forty, and like. Their kid went from bouncing off the walls and being super disrespectful to just being a normal, calm kid. And like, it just irks me so much because they'll like diagnose kids with ADHD and then they'll give them medicine that has like red 40 dye in the medicine. And it's like, if we just educated ourselves a little more about all the toxins that we're getting in not even just our food, like our medications, our deodorants, our soaps, our shampoo conditioner, our, our makeup like these things are affecting us negatively as well. So, you know, I we're so focused as a society on like calories instead of, you know, what actually what actually is impacting our health that I think we need to try to get back to our roots and looking at the ingredient list instead of the calories and you know, shopping on the outside of the store, trying to eat more whole food. And it takes time because, like, we were taught a certain way how to eat, not only by, let's say, our parents and our peers, but by the media as well. So it's going to take time. We just need to give ourselves, give ourselves grace because no one's going to be perfect.
1: That's very true. You know, g- growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So my parents would often resort to you know, craft packs, mac and cheese, and Fido Little Caesars pizza. And now that I'm older, I definitely appreciate what they did. We always had food on the table, but I'm grateful now that I'm in a position where I can do i can I can eat better quality food. So my question for you is: for someone that's in that situation, how would you recommend that they find clean food on a budget?
0: I mean, I think my First, like, recommendation is like pick one thing and like try to stick to it. You know, like maybe like make one swap. Like, if your kids are over here eating cereal for breakfast every day, and then maybe you're like, you know what, these are really sugary cereals, and I see that there's artificial food dyes. Like, this is something I want to change. Deciding that the next day you're going to feed your kids like scrambled eggs and whole wheat toast like they might be a little ticked you know like in a perfect world they'd be like wow like this is so much better like absolutely love this but in reality like that's not how it works so try to make a little change maybe try to find a similar cereal that is dye free or a similar cereal that is less sugar or maybe you decide you know what I'm going to pair this I'm going to pair the um, cereal that they eat in the morning with a high quality protein like scrambled eggs or Greek yogurt. So I just think like do like these little changes and don't like just completely swap or cut things out because then people aren't going to be happy and you're not going to be able to be consistent. Just I told people like our goal is to be 1% better every day. So if your swap is maybe instead of giving your kids sugary yogurt every day that you buy Greek yogurt and then you maybe try to sweeten it with like fruit or maybe a little bit of honey or whatever it may be instead of like the artificial stuff, like that's a great swap. Like this is what I tell people if they wanted to get into from scratch cooking, like you aren't gonna be able to cook everything from scratch. But if you pick one thing, like instead of buying veggie broth at at the store, I'm gonna make it at home. Or instead of buying bread, I'm gonna learn how to make bread from home. Like pick one thing, get really good at it, let it be part of your routine, and then, the following week or month or whenever this feels good, find something else that you can implement and swap and like you don't have to do this alone either. like find people on Instagram who may resonate with you or or find a coach or something because we weren't meant to go through all these things alone, but yeah, my recommendation is just try to make a healthy swap, try to be one percent better that way you can be consistent with it, and that people and your family can get on board because. No one's going to be happy when you rip away all the things that make them happy and comfortable and just give them new things. People don't like changes.
1: Especially a lot at once. I, I think that's a really solid piece of advice. So allow your family to enjoy what they enjoy, but you're adding something that is beneficial for them. Yeah, exactly. So, Miranda, you have a very great perspective on um, more, more of a natural approach back to how things used to be. If someone's interested to learn more about your blog or you on social media, where can they find you?
0: Yeah, so my blog and my podcast are called Bread Therapy Mama. So you can find my podcast on all streaming platforms. It's the Bread Therapy Mama, M-A-M-A podcast. My website is breadtherapymama.com. But I'm also very active on social media, mostly Instagram, and that is at this is Miranda Lee, my name. And yeah, you can find everything on there. I do recipes, lots of sourdough stuff, some more holistic, natural, gentle parenting
1: approaches as well. But yeah, you can find me on there. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners today? I think I
0: just want to share that whatever you're going through, whatever it may be, like, remember that you're not going through it alone. You're probably just going through it in silence with other people who are going through it as well. So don't feel, I guess, down or upset that maybe you're going through something no one else is. Let that make you feel better or talk to someone because it's crazy how many things years later I've brought up and people were like, I was going through the exact same thing. And like with my postpartum depression, me talking about it, other people talked about it too. And if I would have talked about my relationship with food back in elementary school or high school maybe other people would have talked about it too so just know you're not going through things alone you don't you don't need to keep things to yourself
1: there's always support out there even in your darkest days
0: yes and if you're in your darkest days it will eventually only get better like that's just how it's meant to be your life wasn't meant to end at rock bottom like if we didn't have our rock bottom, me and Sierra, we wouldn't be here with our stories to help other people. So that's what I tell myself. Like if I didn't have these dark days and let's say I was writing a book, an autobiography, my book would be so boring if everything just went perfect and every day was just great and everything was handed to me and I was just successful and I was never down or depressed. That'd be such a boring book. So if you're going through things, just remember you were writing an amazing thrilling book that is going to help someone in the future and this might be the biggest part of your story to help someone else later on
1: amen thank you so much for being on the podcast today
0: yes thank you so much for having me all right you guys that is it for the interview i hope you guys enjoyed hearing a little bit more about myself and my journey and my story on the barbells and blueprints podcast i loved being a guest on there it was so great um, chatting with sierra so go check out her show Um, before we end it i just want to remind you like if you guys haven't already gotten started on your sourdough journey don't forget i sell sourdough starter kits and i sell just sourdough starter by itself on my etsy shop bread therapy mama so the kits come with dehydrated sourdough starter um, with step-by-step instructions for how to rehydrate it and keep it alive forever. Um, it comes with a mason jar to hold your starter and along with um, handmade bowl, a bowl cover and a handmade um, mason jar cover. Uh, yeah, so it comes with all that and it comes with recipes, like I said, the step-by-step guide. And you can find that on my Etsy shop and I also sell like just dehydrated starter if you just wanted that. Um, I will put the link in my show notes so you guys can go check it out. If you already have sourdough starter and maybe you want to know a little bit more about it, how to maintain it, or you want some some of my favorite recipes, that is on my blog on breadtherapymama.com. So you can go check it out there as well. All right, you guys, thanks again for joining me. Thank you all for joining me in another episode of the Bread Therapy Mama podcast. If you like this kind of content, check out my blog for recipes, how-tos, product recommendations, and more. Just go to breadtherapymama.com. I'll see you all in the next episode.